Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hello, dear church. How are you doing today? It's lovely to see you again. And we're praying for so many people. Some are having victories and wonderful successes and blessings and growth. And others are having really hard times at the moment, losing loved ones, struggling with various problems and lacks and temptations and trials. And we're praying for everybody. The Bible says if we're happy, we should pray. If we're struggling, we should pray. And we should call on each other. So that's what we're trying to do. We are praying and standing with you. And I encourage you to call on us and each other at this time. We have tried to make Zoom groups available for everybody. But if you are not in a group or you you want to be in more groups, please get in touch with us. Just email us or let us know because we want to try and help everybody stay connected. We are trusting and believing that we're going to come out of this better. You know, there's a little verse in Song of Songs where it says, who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? We come out of wilderness times leaning harder on Jesus. We get closer to the lover of our souls when we're coming out of trials. So we're trusting that God is going to use this. He didn't author it, but he's going to use it to do great things and to use us to do great things. Your prayers are so powerful and effective at this time. There's a great prayer meeting Mondays at lunchtime. Again, a Zoom group. Get in touch with us if you want to be part of that. Today, I'm continuing to talk about faith-filled prayers. You know, Jesus said some amazing things about faith and the power of faith. He said, uh, all things are possible to him who believes. Again and again, he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. So what is faith? Faith is merely opening our hearts, opening our eyes, opening our minds to God's blessings. You know, he stands with all these blessings. He's poured them out on us, but there's this tiny little valve that we open called faith. And when we focus using our physical senses and our earthly understanding, or if we allow the the sounds and the sights of the world to overwhelm us and to guide us, then we close that valve of faith. But when we look at God's word, Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we look at God's word, faith comes alive. The eyes of our heart are open. We are stirred with hope, excitement, expectation. We see a different possibility. It's like there's this invisible realm and the curtain is drawn open and we see what God can do. And we're looking at how to pray faith-filled prayers. Instead of prayers that are just, well, I hope, well, if it be your will, O Lord, oh God, maybe. No, no, no. We want to pray prayers where we know it's God's will. Amen. And 1 John 5 says, if we pray anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we have asked So we want to pray faith-filled prayers. Last week, we looked at the power of praise, which is like the gateway that lets us into this place of faith and blessing and all things are possible. 
Do you remember in the Psalms, David says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. As we come into prayer through thanksgiving and praise, it opens our hearts. We are receptive. God's power floods in. All things are possible. But now I want to look at the next phase in praying faithful prayers, and that is God's promises. Listen to these words from 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 3, it says, His divine power has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and virtue. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Friend, everything you need for provision at this time, for your family to be looked after, for safety, for protection, for the ability to thrive and to flourish under difficult circumstances. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, by which you have been given, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Through God's promises, I can partake, enjoy, participate in God's divine nature. That is just an amazing statement. Through God's promises, I partake of His divine nature. Yes, Lord, I want to partake of Your divine nature. I want to be like You. I want to have Your power and life within me. And it comes surprisingly through His promises. Goes on to say, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We escape the corruption, not through self-effort and hard, uh, being hard on ourselves, but through His promises, because it awakes a supernatural power within us. So let me ask you, have you ever made a promise to someone? How did you feel when you made it? Did you feel like this was an important thing to you? When you promised somebody, I will do this, or I won't do that, or I will give you this, or let's do this together. How did, how did it feel to you? Was it important to you that you made it a promise? I promise, I promise I will do this. How does it feel to God when He makes promises to you and I? Secondly, have you ever believed a promise from somebody? Have you ever trusted them? What did that do to your relationship with them? Did it make it stronger? Did it bring you closer? Did it make you love them more because they had promised something to you and you were putting your trust in their words? How close were you brought? Thirdly, did they ever let you down? Have you ever been let down by somebody's promises? They say, I promise, I promise, I promise, and then they don't. But what about fourthly? Have they ever kept their promise? Boy, how did that feel? I can trust this person. I'm close to this person. This is a safe place, this relationship. Me and this person, we are now in a safe relationship because they kept their promise. You know that God has made promises. He made them on purpose, intentionally. He calls them in His Word, His exceedingly great and precious promises. He calls them that. He says, these promises that I made are exceedingly great and precious promises. Wow. And then Numbers says this about God and his promises. 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. 
Have you ever been let down by somebody's promises? Maybe a parent or a, a spouse or a boss or a friend. God is not like that. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Friend, God has made promises because he wants you to know them. He wants you to trust them. He wants those promises to be a bridge that bring us closer to one another and that build relationship and love. And he wants to use those promises to open your eyes of faith, to pour his blessings, to, for you to partake of the divine nature, to escape the corruption that is in the world. Isn't that amazing? So let me read you a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him Amen to the glory of God through us. Now, that's quite a strangely worded sentence. That's the New King James Version. Let me go through the parts of it and, and, and try and explain. In fact, before I do that, let me just read it to you in a different version. The New International Version says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That makes that verse a little bit clearer. And basically, there are several elements to this. First of all, it says all the promises or the NIV says no matter how many promises God has made. You know, God does not say I made a promise, uh, but it, it, that part of my character doesn't apply anymore. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, the Lord, do not change, he says. And when he makes a promise, he is revealing a part of his character, his desire, his will, who he is. And he's giving it as a precious thing to his people. And in Christ, so the first part is all of his promises. The second thing, part of it is, it says, in Christ, they are yes. In Christ, Jesus encapsulates God, the whole character and nature of God is in Jesus and all the promises that God has ever made are encapsulated in Christ. We as believers are put inside Christ and he is put inside us. The, the mystery of the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Christ, when we're in him and he's in us, all of God's promises are yes. You say, but can I trust you, God? Can I trust you? You know, there are naysayers. There are people who say, well, that promise doesn't apply or that promise. No, you have to put a, a, a different understanding on that. And no, maybe not that promise. Oh, this. No, not that promise. But this verse says all of God's promises are yes. I am all for taking verses in context. I believe when a promise was made to Jacob, that it was for Jacob. And we should understand it in the context of Jacob. But we must also understand, using 1, 2 Corinthians 1.20, that that promise made to Jacob was a demonstration and a revealing by God of his heart, his desire, his nature for his people. And he then gave Christ, and in Christ, all of God's promises are yes. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I can almost feel faith coming alive in some people right now who are hearing this. 
no matter how many promises God has made, in Christ they are yes. And then the next element of this verse says, and in him, amen, or the New International Version says, and the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The New King James says, in him there are amen to the glory of God through us. What's that saying? That's saying there's a part that you and I play in this. I trust God. I come to him. I say, God, I've been let down by people, but your promises, I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting that they're yes in Christ. I see those promises that you made to Abraham, to all the different people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. I see your nature revealed, God. I see this verse where you say all of your promises are yes in Christ. My response is trust, is faith. And it's simply, you know, faith is different to many other things that other religions in the world say are the way to get close to God. Other religions say rituals might be the way. If you do exactly the right rituals, you'll get close to God. Or good works. If you're good enough and you're a very, very good person, then you'll get close to God. And the, the Bible says rituals are useless and our own righteousness is like filthy rags. God wants us righteous, but we can't do it ourselves. It has to be by faith where I simply say, yes, Lord. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And all I do is I say, Amen. It says the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. How easy is that, my friend? How easy is it to, to pray a faithful prayer which simply looks at a promise of God? It says, God, is that your character? He says, yes, in Christ. And I say, Amen. Isn't that amazing? You know, I was a young person. I wasn't even married yet. And I was visiting my wife. She was studying in South Africa and she was staying with a friend of hers. And her and her friend were getting ready for us to go out. And I was left in the lounge of this little flat uh, watching TV and a Christian TV show came on. And a man was preaching from Luke where Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you words and wisdom that no one can resist or contradict. And I heard about maybe five minutes of that sermon, but something just was awoken within me when I heard that sermon. And I thought, can that be true, God? Can it be true that you are saying that if I ask you and trust you, that you will give me words and wisdom for every situation and challenge that I'm faced with, that I don't need to be clever and think up things in advance, that you will give me what I need when I need to say it, that you'll give me words and wisdom that no one can resist or contradict. And as I walked out of that flat, I can vividly remember it. I walked out with my fiance at the time, who's now my wife and her friend, and we walked out and we did whatever we were gonna do that day. But as I walked out, I, in my heart, and I might have said it with my mouth, I said, yes, amen, I'm, I'm taking that promise. And I can honestly say it's been one of the most life-changing promises in God's word for me, because again and again and again, I've seen God come through. I was in my office, in another country, in Zimbabwe, and a man came in and he was a political man and he was trying to get me to be part of a political movement. And I didn't know what to say. He was very forceful, very persuasive. He was trying to 
pressurized me to get our whole church behind his political movement. And I just said, Lord, what do I say? And the Lord said to me, ask him what his favorite verse in the Bible is. I said, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? He said that verse where it says, which king before he goes to war doesn't count the cost to see if he has enough to, to go to war. And I said to him, have you done that? Have you counted the cost? Have you got everything that you need for this political movement? And his face changed. And it was like he was repenting within himself and he walked out of there and I never saw him again, but I believe God spoke to him. That was one, just one of the hundreds of examples where God kept a promise that he made to me because I simply said, Amen. It was a faithful prayer. I quoted this verse earlier, but 1 John 5 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Friend, one of the ways you know that you are praying according to God's will is if it's a promise that he has made to you. And he calls it a precious promise, an exceedingly great and precious promise. I'm going to just quickly give you a couple of examples of this. Romans chapter 4 verse 20, speaking of Abraham, it says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, Abraham had been promised that he would have a son, a miraculous son. It took 25 years for the promise to come true. And it says that Abraham gave glory to God. He basically said, Amen, Amen. God, you are able to do this. My body is getting old and I'm no longer able to produce children. My wife is too old to produce children. The circumstances say it's impossible, but I'm not going to look at those. I'm going to look at your promise. I'm going to live in the promised land. And this is my second example, the promised land. You know, the Israelites were promised the land of Canaan. It was simply given by promise of God. All they had to do was say yes and amen. But in Numbers 13, they wavered through unbelief. They said, we can't. There's giants. We are grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look like grasshoppers to them as well. You see, that's the opposite of faith. That's when we look at our own circumstances, our own perception, our own senses, instead of looking at God's promises. But Caleb and Joshua said, we are well able. Listen to what they said in Numbers 13, verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. And the people didn't listen to Caleb and Joshua and that whole generation missed out on the promised land. God had promised it. Hebrews 4 says that God had promised it and done everything necessary for them to have it before the foundation of the world, which is another way of saying in the eternal spiritual realm, God had paid the price and made it possible. All they had to do was say, Amen to the glory of God, but they chose not to. And so they didn't enter, but Caleb and Joshua and the youngsters entered. And Hebrews 4 actually challenges us. In this very regard, it says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. 
Friend, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Each of them is a key to unlock a faith-filled prayer in your life and mine. And the promise of entering his rest speaks about God's promised land for you and me. You know, I've moved country many times. And every time I move in the natural, I think about what are the laws of the new land? What are the borders? What are the conditions, the economy, the schooling? But then God always reminds me, and he actually gave me this promise many years ago. He said, wherever you live, the boundaries, the rules, the laws, the economy of the land where you live, it's a promised land. It's not defined by earthly rules. It's defined by my promises. You live in a promised land wherever you go. And this verse says a promise, a promised land, the promise of entering his rest still remains. But let's be careful that we don't fall short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, the Israelites, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. They simply didn't say amen. They didn't say yes. Friend, can I challenge you today? It's not difficult to say amen. It's not difficult to trust God when he says, I will do this or this is my desire or my intention for you. It's not difficult to say, yes, God, you are faithful. You are true. Sometimes there's a period of waiting or there is opposition like the giants in the promised land. And we have to say, no, I choose to trust God. It's not always easy. The Bible calls it a fight of faith. But saying amen to God's promises is not that difficult. I'm going to challenge you to rise up, to rise to a new level of faith today. You may have prayed prayers in the past and they were doubt-filled prayers. They were prayers of saying, maybe this is what you want, God. I'm going to challenge you to rise to a new level where you say, I know God's will because his word promises it. Great and precious promises have been given to me. I know his will. I receive his will. I understand it. And I say, Amen to the glory of God. And as we do that, we just give him praise and thanks. That's why thank you prayers are so powerful. Last week, we spoke about praise and thanks. This week, we speak about promises and we put those two together. And this is my formula <laughs> for faithful prayers. I start with the word thank you. And then I repeat one of the promises of God's word. Thank you, God, that you are for me and not against me. Thank you that you will never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that you have good plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Thank you, God, that all my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And we just keep repeating his promises. And what happens is faith-filled prayers start coming out of us. God gets glorified and the world is changed around us. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.